listening to the Business of Baking podcast with Michelle Green, the small business podcast that's all about successfully running your own sweet food company without losing your mind. If you've ever brought dessert to a party and been told you can make a fortune selling those, then you're in the right place. This is an honest, straight-talking podcast about the highs and lows of being in small business. Fueled by late nights, crazy client stories, and a permanent sugar high, we're going to listen, share, and learn our way to sweet business success. Here's your host, writer, speaker, recovering cake decorator, and incurable sweet tooth, Michelle Green. Hey, everybody. Welcome to the Business of Baking podcast. I'm your host, Michelle Green. And today I'm excited to be talking to Belle Harris. She is the owner, creator, mastermind genius behind uh, Stencyville. And if you are a cookier, or frankly, if you're anybody that's ever wanted to use a stencil, you would for sure be familiar with her because I am completely obsessed with her Instagram and with her products. And so it's very exciting for me to have her on the podcast today. And just as a side note, with the podcast, I'm wanting to bring on people who are maybe not necessarily straight in the middle of the whole cake world. Maybe they're kind of next to the cake world, or maybe they started out doing cookies or they started out doing something and they've come on to something else. And so Belle is a really great example of that. She's from a place called Bathurst, New South Wales, which is not far from me. I do have to get on a plane, but it's not that far. And she originally started her career in our industry as a cookie maker with a company called Bellissimo Cookies, which was kind of a side gig while she was looking after her kids and other people's kids. Like a lot of us, she started that while she was doing something else. But then in about April 2016, she opened up Stencyville and she now ships products to more than 30 countries, which is unbelievable to me. I think that's just like the coolest thing ever. And so if you don't know what that is, she hand makes stencils and primarily they are used for cookies. They're like those beautiful little square ones, but you could use those for just about anything really, you know, cakes or whatever else you wanted to. And so she is just running this amazing business and I'm totally in awe of it. So I'm excited to be talking about it a little bit in more depth. And in addition to all of that, she's also a mom to two young girls, Ruby and Lily, who are little kids. So she is running her business while she is running her household and her life. And so that's probably something that the rest of us are familiar with as well. So welcome to the podcast, Belle. Thank you so much for having me. I'm so honored that you wanted to interview me. Before we get into like the proper interview, I have to tell you that I just mentioned before that I'm obsessed with your Instagram feed because those videos <laughs> are mesmerizing. And I have to tell you the number of times I've watched one of your videos and I've gone, oh, I need that stencil. Oh my God, I need to make cookies <laughs> with apples on them, with ants or something, whatever. <laughs> and then I have, I like, I'd like, I've, I've, I'm one of those annoying people who I swear I've jumped on your site and put stuff in my cart like a thousand times before I go, wait a minute, I'm more retired from this whole <laughs> thing. I do not need these stencils. <laughs> but many is the time that I want to go and buy one and I literally get all the way to like, I'm just about to check out and then I'm like, wait, I don't actually, <laughs> what am I going to, what? So uh, you are just like, I'm a massive, massive fan. And so the, the business of baking and the podcast and everything is all about the business side of the baking industry. And even though you started out as a cookie maker, I'm particularly interested to have you here today because now you sell product and that's your main business. But I was hoping that to begin with, you could take me through the evolution of your business. So from the, the cookies and the blogging to now selling an actual product that the rest of us are using to create our own cookies and amazing things. So tell me about kind of the evolution of your career. Okay. About 
Almost six years ago, I found like a lot of cookies. I found Sweet Sugar Bell's blog while I was preparing for a housewarming and I, you know, was looking for something extra. I was doing a dessert table. I wanted something. I had cakes and I had cupcakes and I had cookie pops and cake pops and I wanted something else and I found cookies and I had a disastrous go at that. And but the addiction started, and I started, and I it took off from there. Like I think most cookies will tell you, the addiction bites pretty hard. And then I started doing orders for friends and family, and then I started taking on more orders. And this was all a side business while I was doing family daycare. And I knew probably about two two and a half years ago that I wanted to stop doing family daycare and take on take my cookies further and do a business I hadn't quite figured out yet whether that was going to be teaching or what that was going to do but my goal with Bellissimo cookies and growing that Instagram had the goal of of turning it into a business so that I could give up family daycare right and One night I was talking to my husband and I was frustrated that I couldn't find the style of stencils that I wanted to use for my sort of style of cooking. For want of a better term, not so stencily looking (laughs) is sort of my theme. (laughs) And so I was telling him, maybe I should just make some of my own. And he goes, well, why don't you? Oh, well, why don't I? Okay. So, and then I said to him, well, maybe I could sell some of these. I wonder if other people have the same frustration that I do in not being able to find what they want and having a, a using stencils in a more creative way. And um, he goes, well, give it a go and see how it goes. <laughs> and he's been a, a huge support to me. And I, it's sort of, so in April last year, yeah, I, launched Stency Bell and have not looked back. I've been able to give up family daycare and it's really taken off more than my wildest dreams. I didn't I never thought that not even eighteen months down the track we are now and yeah, it's really busy. <laughs> really busy and really fulfilling and it's been great. I am just like I'm astounded. So eighteen months from yeah, I should make some of these on my own. And is is it true that you still hand cut them? Like you still hand cut them yourself? I don't know. I don't. I I use machines to cut them. Right, but in the beginning, presumably you did do it by hand, right? No, no. I have always used machines, so I'm not. Mm, I I'm not sure where that's come from, but I I have hand cut a few. Prior to starting Sensi Bill, in my, I guess, in my frustration of not being able to find what I wanted, yeah, and had had hand cut a few for some some of my probably more famous sets of cookies, I guess. Yeah, and I don't know so, where I read. Th- I don't know where I read that, but maybe it's more a case of you hand make them as opposed to like hand cut them. Like it's all still done by you, right? You still design them and all, create them yeah, whatever, right? Yeah, yeah. So our so- um family room. Is- has been turned into the Stency Bell room and it's all done in my home and yeah, 
So tell me about that creative process. Like you look at your website and I got to tell you, it's overwhelming. There are like hundreds of stencil designs already and it feels like you come up with new ones like daily. So how, do, how does a new design evolve for you? Like what's that process? Take me through that process of like finding a good idea and then getting it all to the, to the stage of selling it. So I guess a lot of my ideas come from looking at other cookies and what they're doing and what what's on trend and what one of my goals along with the stencils not being so stencily is to make a cookie's life a bit easier so if you're sitting down and you've got an order for 500 cookies for a wedding if you can use a stencil rather than hand piping it you're going to get through that order a heck of a lot faster and that's going to help your the cookie's bottom line you know mm-hmm. time is money as I'm sure is in cakes. And so a lot of the times things will evolve from how could we do this better with a stencil? How that design that a lot of cookies are doing that's popular right now, how could we make that quicker and easier but not look necessarily like you've used a stencil or that you've used a stencil that works with that design? Mm. So a lot of my inspiration will come from my Instagram feed of the cookies that I follow and designs that I see that are being popular and we'll go through that other time good old Pinterest yeah if I'm searching a searching a theme I'm working on Christmas designs at the moment and I'll look for trends for Christmas of what's what's happening in the in the trends and and maybe take some inspiration from there a lot of that evolves from from there then I will sit down and design on my software program which can take anywhere from a couple of hours to a couple of months <laughs> depending on the process of whether I like it whether I think it's going to work or not and then I will do a few test cuts and a few test cookies and see what it see if it's working if it's gonna if the idea in my head's going to come to fruition and actually work on a cookie and the cookie doing the cookie is going to be able to use it how I think it should be used and not make it any more difficult. Some designs I've come up with and I've thought, you know what, this design's actually going to add time, not save time. So, you know, some, some designs don't necessarily always happen. And it, then I'll usually, if I need feedback, I have a Facebook group of about a thousand community members and they're really good at telling me what they think will work, what won't, whether they like it, whether they don't, and then I will put it up on the website. And away it goes, right? What's your what's your most popular away, design? Do you have a um, like? Do you have like one that just like outsells everything else? The clouds and grass stencils have always been very popular, along with the eyelet lace edger stencils. I don't while those sort of edge design stencils have been around for a while in other industries. They they hadn't really been seen in cooking till I brought them to the cookie world. Yeah, I guess um, grass so and clouds you can use across like so many different, you know, you can use that in so many different uh, ways, right? Everything. Yeah, so many different designs. And um, I would like to see someone do that on a cake. So I think, I think you could use that stencil on a cake too. So... But yeah, it's it always popular, the clouds and grass. I've got three different designs of it now. So that one's been, been hugely popular. So 
So let's talk about popularity and stuff, because I know that social media has obviously played a pretty big part in the success, or I'm assuming has played a pretty big part in the success of the business. I think I read, so I like hunted you down and stalked you. And I think I read that it took you 11 days to get 5,000 likers on Instagram. And really interestingly, I, and yeah, and really interestingly, I prepared these interview questions about a month ago now, I guess, maybe six weeks ago. And at the time in my notes, I wrote that you had 79,000 Instagram followers, but I just checked this morning to make sure that that was still accurate. And now it's at 83. So it's at 83,000, which is, which is unbelievable when you consider that you're in basically a, you know, a smaller city or I don't know if Bath is considered a town, but a small, a smaller part, you know, middle of Australia, kind of middle of nowhere, creating a pretty niche product. So tell me about that role that social media has played in the success of the business. Because, you know, I, I always tell people there's a difference between being, you know, Facebook famous or Instagram famous and then actually making a living. Like those two are not necessarily the same. So I'm curious to see what your experience with that whole social media thing has been. Yeah. I, first of all, I, I completely agree. There's there's a big difference between having a million followers and a million of those people that want to buy your product. Those two definitely don't correlate. But as I said earlier, I worked pretty hard on building up Bellissimo Cookies Instagram account to use that as a launch pad, I guess, for Sensibel. But social media has played a huge part and still does in my business. So I put a lot of time and effort into research into that, doing classes in what works, what doesn't, which of course with the ever-changing algorithms and Facebook buying Instagram, that changes almost daily it feels like. So what works one week won't necessarily work the next, but social media has played a very large part in me growing the business. So yeah, I do put a lot of effort into into that side of it with the videos and trying to, yeah, make sure that, that I, I guess, finding what works on that platform and me. so, um, and I, so, do I, most of your sales come from that? Are they driven from that? Yeah, my website says that about seventy percent of my website visits come from Instagram. So right. it is a huge part of of where my business is driven from. So that's really interesting that you track it because something I often comment about about uh, marketing is small businesses are often very afraid to do marketing, right? They're all like, I don't want to spend the money and then find out it didn't work or I don't want to spend the time and then find out it didn't work. And what I say to people often is that that's the thing though. If you're going to invest in something, you better check if that thing is working. I mean, so often people are like, oh, you know, I invested in this ad or I invested in this and I'm like, well, it was working and they kind of go, I don't know. I think so. So I love that you track yeah. where that traffic comes from because then obviously, you know, if 70% of your traffic is coming from Instagram, then you should probably be spending a fair chunk of your marketing time on that platform because it's clearly working for you, right? Exactly. Yeah. So in my Facebook community, I've actually been doing a bit of a mini series on trying to help cookies on how to do that and how to use the social media and what obviously what works for me won't necessarily work for everybody else. But a big part of that is understanding how Instagram works and understanding um, what works for the platform. And you need to delve into all those statistics and reports and as much as that might be a bit of the boring side of the business, it really tells you whether you're doing the right thing or not. 
pretty quickly. Yeah. And I always say that stuff is like boring, but important. I mean, you, you kind of have to know how this stuff works. It's not a case of just like, Oh, spend some money on an ad and see what happens. Like, that's a great idea, but you want to know the background behind that. And so on that same topic of marketing, like one of the things that does impress me about your Instagram is how at any given day, I can kind of scroll through your feed and it's not, it's never, I mean, there's a lot of videos and a lot of whatever, but it's not always the same thing. You know, sometimes it's just a finished product. Sometimes it's a, you know, a video, sometimes it's whatever. And one of the things that impressed me recently, like massive amounts, and I actually told a bunch of my students about it because I thought it was so genius, is that I often say that marketing is about like finding a customer's problem and then solving it. And you actually demonstrated this beautifully because you came up with a series of videos that were all about how to use a stencil if you don't own an airbrush, which I was like, this is genius. Belle, you are a rock star (laughs) because I imagine that one of the questions you get a lot is, but I don't have an airbrush. So how do I use these? So you had this like series of video. I think it was four, maybe I might be wrong there, but I think it was four videos about how to use stencils if you don't own an airbrush. So how did that come up? Like, did that come up because people were asking or you just genius it out of thin air or how did that video series come about? (laughs) I, I don't genius out of thin air. (laughs) <laughs> but exactly like you said, I, I get a lot of people direct messaging me and emailing me. I love your stuff. I absolutely love the stencils, but I don't own an airbrush or I can't afford an airbrush, which I understand, particularly if you're just a hobbyist, you know, an airbrush can be about a $200 investment here in Australia. So not exactly a cheap piece of equipment. And then people have got their airbrush and so many people have told me, oh, I've got an airbrush. It's been sitting in the box for six months. I'm too frightened of it. Oh, I hear that all the time. Oh my, I hear that so much that people are afraid to take their airbrush out of the box. That's a really common thing. I hear that a lot. Me too. So common. So all of your listeners, if you are listening, get that airbrush out. I just tell people, just spray it. Spray it on a piece of paper. Like you, I think once they first spray it, they're going to realize that it's not that scary and it's actually a heck of a lot of fun and get it out, play with it. You know, I but, think they, um, I think they theory, leave it in, they leave it in the box because it's expensive. I think that's why, like, I think yeah, they're afraid yeah. they're going to break it. And then it's like, Oh no, I've broken this $200 piece of equipment or whatever. So I think the fear is around the fact that it's not in a, it's not, you know, a cheap item, yeah. right? If you break a, you know, a piping bag or something, it's like no big deal. You can replace that yeah. for a dollar, but replacing a $200 piece of equipment is a whole different story. But I have heard so, yeah. Many people tell me that it's still in the box. Lots. Oh, me too. Me too. But I also th- think of it like if you've got a $200 piece of equipment sitting there that is going to save you time on that set of cookies or on that cake, what's worth? That it's sitting there and you're going to spend another three hours piping something or crack it out of the box and you'll stencil something in three minutes. Think about your hourly rate, which I know you talk about a lot in your podcast and on your website. Yeah. Break that down. Like, think about it. I'm a huge yeah, fan of that, that series. That series came about because so many people had said that to me that I can't afford an airbrush or I don't have one or I don't want to invest that kind of money. So I'm like, well, you can still use stencils apart from the fact that you can do it with royal icing, which I think 
most people already knew, but I wanted to show a few different ways that you could do it as well. So it's you don't necessarily need an expensive piece of equipment to still have fun with stencils and make them save you time. Seriously, I totally think that if I was a cookier, I would absolutely be team stencil all the way because the speed at which <laughs> you can achieve an amazing finish. And, you know, and also the other thing I like about it is that, you know, traditional cookiers who do the royal icing, they've got, I was, I'm always amazed at how they make any money at all because that's a lot of icing you've got to make and a lot of colors you've got to mix and a lot of bags you got to fill. And sure, you know, with a, with an airbrush, you have to change the color, but that's so much faster than creating royal or uh, coloring royal or getting the right consistency and all the drawing in between and all that kind of jazz. So from a business point of view, I'm a massive fan of stenciling because you can get a beautiful exactly. product. You can get a beautiful product. You can charge a reasonable amount to cover your labor. It just has everything going for it. But I do wonder, and I've never asked anybody this before, Belle, so this is like a big one for me. Do you ever get like traditionalists who are like, ooh, stencils is cheating? Like, do you ever get any haters like that? Oh, yeah. I actually had one the other day comment on, on my Facebook page, stenciling cheating. Oh, really? <laughs> okay. I was quite taken aback. Well, for starters, to, to accuse someone of cheating pretty not very nice, I don't think, is it's the politest way that I will say it. <laughs> but to me, uh, I'm, I'm not sure why you would say that. I, I don't think that people like that have probably sat down and had a order for 500 cookies for a wedding that they needed to get done in two days and haven't sat down and worked out their hourly rate and haven't sat down and worked out the time that it can save, haven't looked at. I was personally offended because to me, I put so much creativity into the stencils. I don't understand how it could be cheating. There's so much time and effort that goes into them and you still need to think how you're going to layer them, how you're going to use them. It's, yeah. I, I don't I, get I'm it. a bit gobsmacked at that one. <laughs> I don't get it either, only because I think surely there's more than one way to skin a cat. Like, it, it makes no sense to me because I think there's more than one way of doing things in, in any artistic medium. So what's the big deal if this is another method? Like, and, I don't understand why people get weird about that. So And it's for a long time, and I don't know in the cake world because I, I don't... I don't do cakes. <laughs> I'm very bad at cake. So many people think because you're good at cookies, you'd be good at cake, but it doesn't don't work like that. But I don't know, for a long time in the cookie world, there has been the argument of using a copy cake or a Pico projector is cheating. And that, for people that don't know, that that's a projector. Like, to me, they've never used one then because that's not an easy piece of equipment to use. It, you've still got to pipe the words. You've still got to get the consistency right. It's a tool. Like, so are we supposed to just use our hands to put the, put the icing on or not, not use a piping bag? Like, to me, it's the same thing. It's, it's a tool that we use. It's, I can't see why people would say those sort of tools would be cheating. It's interesting because I've been public about the fact that I think the cake industry relies too much on 
on tools. Not not so much in this case, but I'm talking about like, it seems like people panic if they can't get a cutter for something or they panic if they can't get a mold for something. And, you know, I am a little bit old school in that when I started my cake business, uh, we didn't have any of this stuff. Like there was, you couldn't get, you know, there was no 3D printing or yeah. any of this kind of stuff. And so I've been really vocal about the fact that while I think it's great as an industry that we have created these things that are time savers and therefore money makers and whatever, I've often said it's almost created an industry or a generation of people who are lost without those tools. And they've lost some of the the artistic skill of knowing how to create something without having it pre-made for you. But this to me isn't that. Like this to me is just another method of achieving an end result. You know what I mean? And I guess... I understand why people would yeah. hate hate, and the th- the truth is, stenciling's been around in other industries for a really long time. Like this is not new to us, right? I remember oh, decades in like decades. the 80s, in the eighties or whatever, people were like stenciling their houses and stuff, right? Yeah, yeah. All those craft shows or whatever, and scrapbooking has used stencils forever. I actually used to sort of look at scrapbooking stencils and use them in my cookies because I couldn't find what I wanted for cookie stencils. Now, I wouldn't recommend that anymore because I've since learned doing all the research that they are not food safe. So, (laughs) (laughs) yep, whoops. But so that everything's a learning process and everybody learns. But, yeah, I just see it as tools that we use. I do see what you're saying about people relying on some things and I will see a lot of new cookies coming through who don't know about even things that I learned five years ago when I was starting doing cooking and it's like, well, we didn't have that or we didn't have that and, you know, we used to do it this way. Yeah, old and school. I, I can see what you mean there. Yeah. I, you know, I the funny thing is that I, old school, uh, yeah, medium school, uh, I don't, <laughs> middle age school, I don't think that, I don't think that for me, stenciling doesn't fit into that reliance thing. Like, I just think it's, yeah. And yeah. probably because I've watched enough of your videos now to know, and a lot of them, to know that <laughs> it's not just like whack a stencil on, spray it, and you're good. Like, there's a lot more to it than that. It's not as simple as, I mean, it's, it is a simpler process than hand piping everything and whatever. But, you know, you still yeah. have to know what you're doing. There still has to be a creative process and an actual skill level to get it to look right. You know, I've seen plenty of cookie wrecks, if you want, you know, that have been stenciled. Yeah. I'm like, yeah. oh, that was a bad idea. So there's, you know, there's still a level of skill and, and talent and whatever. It's not just a, you know, whack this plastic thing over the top, spray it a bit and walk away. It's not quite that easy, I don't think. Yeah. So well, let, I let's, think it's like anything. Yeah, you've, you've got to plan and create and yeah. Yeah. So let's talk knowing, about business knowing. business in a more general sense, not necessarily stencilly. So now you've you've kind of done both, right? You had a bit of a time running a product business where it was it, sorry, a custom work business where you did it for customers and private orders and whatever. And now it's a product yeah. business where obviously multiple people can buy the exact same thing. Do you think there's an advantage yeah. to one over the other? Or do you did you like one more than the other? Um, I guess both of them fed my creativity side in different ways. Sometimes now I miss a little bit. I'm too busy with stencils to be able to sit down and just create if an idea pops into my head that doesn't involve stencils, which I can usually use that idea to maybe create a stencil. But I think in this, doing Sensibel, I have a few not the same issues as 
having to bake and having to stay up till 3am to finish an order and I know that people have paid me up front and all of those little things of that other side of doing orders that sometimes cannot be as fun (laughs) but then there's the pressures of getting all the orders the thank you girl done and other other aspects so uh, that's a hard question yeah Probably, i mean i imagine the logistics of owning a product business are a lot easier than the logistics of owning a custom business right because you're right firstly that you, you've been paid you yeah. know you don't have to be up till three in the morning you don't have to deal with things like you know food safety laws and all this kind of jazz right? yeah yeah but yeah i suppose yeah. you, you do lose a bit of that creativity thing i do i do i mean i i we've all had that well my very last Bellissimo cookies order, I didn't have any creativity. I was given specifics of that she wanted blue stripes on the cookie, that they were to be four millimetres wide, the exact shade of blue. (laughs) It was, yeah. So that side of it, you don't always get the creativity either with the custom order. I was that one that said, just give me a theme, right? It's a beach theme, great. And I and then I was allowed to do my own thing. They were the orders that I love. I didn't necessarily love the orders of here's exactly what I want. Yeah, right. <laughs> so, but yeah, I still get to play with cookies and I still get to do the videos with the stencils. So that side of it, I still get to do that, which is good. Is your family over the cookies? Like, do they never want to see another cookie again? My husband has never liked the cookies I. He prefers them unice, so he still gets a few when I bake. My youngest daughter, I don't think, will ever be over cookies, but my my eldest daughter definitely is. She's like, oh, cookies. <laughs> She's like, can we please have like a meatball or something savory? Yeah. <laughs> so, all right. Can so we do let- something with chocolate, mum? <laughs> Because <laughs> I just imagine, just in order to produce all those videos, right, you've got to still be baking, right, and and making them so that you can create the videos. So there must I be do. like one football yeah. cookie, one fall theme cookie, one, you know, <laughs> yeah. Halloween cookie, whatever. A slight secret there. There's usually about three or four cookies that you see in the videos. <laughs> just on the same one just so that I, I don't have to wait for them to dry or if I I, I still do make, make mistakes if I make a mistake then that one just doesn't get in the photo at the end <laughs> then, so do you just scrape the icing off? <laughs> well not the royal icing when it's hard yeah, you could scrape that off couldn't you? Not, it's like it's not, not if it's completely dry that's pretty pretty challenging because uh, yeah. it get totally yeah. hard and be <laughs> yeah all right, so yeah. let's let's talk about the kids because the vast majority, not everyone, but the vast majority of people in our industry are parents or they're, you know, looking after elderly parents or you know, whatever. They've got family involved. And yeah. that whole thing about running a business while you have a family is a major topic in this industry. In fact, I actually did an entire podcast episode all about mummy guilt and, and mostly about the fact that I don't have it. <laughs> but I, I did a whole episode <laughs> about that because I get asked about it a lot. People ask me about that a lot. Like, Gee, I need to manage. listen to that one. <laughs> yes, feel free. It's got some good tips in there for managing <laughs> mummy guilt. So, so how, 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 like for you, what is that experience like of raising two young kids and the business is based at home, takes up the whole, you know, family room, etc. What's that like being a mom and running this whole thing and taking up all the space? It it can be really challenging at times. I mean, if anybody, if I didn't say that, I would be lying. My girls are still little. They're only four and seven. So that side of it 
has been quite challenging. My husband has been a huge supporter and does a lot of taking the girls out when I need to work and just, you know, being um, Mr. Mum, I guess. And he still has his full-time work too. So that has been really challenging. I've tried, particularly over the last few months, to really rein that in and not work on weekends. And I have someone that comes in and helps me now, Lisa. She's a godsend so that I don't work on weekends and just try and balance out that mum guilt. But I'm going to hang up from this and listen to your podcast. <laughs> it was a good one. It was a good I one. suffer from it. <laughs> oh, I think to suffer, you know, I think we're just human. I, you know, I guess it's not that yeah. I didn't have, I should clarify. It's not that I didn't have mummy guilt ever. It wasn't like that, but I guess I kept sort of thinking, I don't know. You have to listen to the podcast to find out what I thought about it. <laughs> yeah. Because it's quite a, quite an interesting Well, I guess topic. in some respects, I also think, you know, I am providing for my family. I'm working for my family, I am. I have a creative outlet. I'm building a business. All of those things are important too. And I, I really think it's important. You touched on earlier. I live in a town where it's only thirty thousand people. It's a small town, and I want to show my girls that that doesn't matter. You can. It's a global marketplace. You can make your dreams work wherever you are, whatever you want to do. And that's what I keep telling them. You can be anything you want to be. You can do anything that you want to do. doesn't matter where you are. Just take it to the world. To a degree. I think that's important to show them too. Oh, I completely agree with that. And to a degree, the fact that you can work from home means you probably are in their lives more than you otherwise would be, right? Yes. Yeah. I still pick them up from school. I still take them out to, you know, swimming and activities and and I can go and, you know, do something at school and I can, I can work my business around that. Sure, some days that might mean I'm up till 3am again because I didn't get it done during the day, but I can still do it. Yeah, yeah. I'm a big believer in that, that actually yep. it's, you know, one of our jobs as working mums is to show our daughters that it's possible. So I'm a big, like I'm a big yeah. Big proponent of that. And I think to also show them that you don't have to be perfect. You know, that I'm never trying to show my kids that I'm, you know, that I get it right all the time. I'm simply trying to show them that I'm making it work. And sometimes that means being a little bit adjustable in my business. And sometimes that means being a little bit adjustable as a parent, you know. So I'm right there with you on that one. So what do you find super exciting about owning a business? Like if you had to say my favorite part about doing this is blank, what would you say is your favorite bit? Ooh, I think that being able to use my creativity every day, whether that in creating a stencil or doing a post for Instagram or redesigning my website or I get to, I'm owning that title, being very creative. I used to think that that was, I don't know, not such a great title, but I I really embrace that now and understand that I am very creative and need that creative outlet. So I get to do that every day, which I'm really thankful for. I don't think that I could sit in a boring office job again <laughs> and I need that outlet. So I, I get to do that every day, which is really exciting. So I can't ask what the good bit is without asking what's the frustrating bit. I won't, say, I won't say what's the worst bit because I don't think, I, to be honest, I used to ask, like, what's the worst bit about it? And the truth is, I don't think there's a worst bit. 
I think they're just bits that are more frustrating than others. So what do you find the most frustrating part about running a business? There's a few frustrating sides. Distribution can be challenging for me at the moment, seeing you touched on it before that I am selling to, I think we're up to about 35 countries now. So distribution to getting my product around the world and postal services. Oh my God. Aren't my, my, yes. Aren't my funnest part of the job, let's just say. Oh, my shipping, um, shipping especially. So people, in, I just sorry to build yeah. for a second. People in larger countries like the United Europe. States and Europe don't actually understand how much of a challenge shipping from Australia is. They just, they don't get it because they're like, no. what's the big deal? You know, you just no. go to the post office and yeah, here we go to the post office too, but then you need to hand over like your mortgage payment in order to send something somewhere, you know? And the example, and- I, often, the example I often give is that I wrote a book, right? And if I want to send my, if I want to mail my book from here to the lady across the road, it costs me about 15 bucks to do so. If I took that yeah. book to America and I wanted to ship it from Los Angeles to New York City, I'd probably pay about three bucks. <laughs> so I think crazy, crazy. Shipping is a pain. <laughs> shipping is a huge pain. And I also, the thing that I find challenging, particularly with like my United States customers, they're used to having Amazon Prime on their doorstep in three hours. And I'm like, um, it's going to take about 15 days from me. <laughs> and they're like, what? Exactly. What How mean? far are you? I, just, I don't understand this concept at all. And I'm like, um, well, that's how it works for me. <laughs> so competing with that and, and getting people to understand actually where I am and how long it takes, that, that education side of the business has been a big part. In my, a lot of people thought probably for the first year of Stentabilt that I was based in America. A lot of people thought that. So educating them that their order wasn't going to be with them in a day or two days was, was a big education part of my, my posts and my Instagram and on my website. But, no, your order actually ships from this tiny country town in, in Australia. <laughs> Shipping, shipping is such a drama. Like, and and here, yeah. you know, I often say to people, like, well, like in the states, it's not unusual for people to ship product around. You know, even cake or even cake pops or even cookies. It's not hard, yeah. right? Yeah. And for us here, yeah. if you want to ship a custom order of cookies, yeah, you can do it. But you're, you know, the cost is a fortune and the time is a fortune, and it's just it's a whole different mm. different concept, really. I hear you. Yeah, I, I remember I hear you on the transport thing. Just finding a box that's yeah. going to survive Australia yeah. Post is like a challenge in and of itself. Uh, <laughs> I know. And then, and then you think you've got it all sorted, and then last week Australia Post put all their prices up, and you're like, "Oh, thanks, Australia Post. What for?" <laughs> because clearly they yeah. need to make yet more money out of us. I don't know what the deal is. I just yeah, shipping is such a pain. Like such a pain. It's unbelievable. Yeah. Like unbelievable. So I hear you on my, my least least favorite part. Right. I I <laughs> preach to the choir, sister. <laughs> I know all about it, sadly. <laughs> and in fact, well, I had a, I had a I had a business idea after I sold my bakery. I had another business idea. Very honestly, I don't think I've ever talked about this with anybody before. I had this business idea and I got it off the ground kind of like I started, you know, testing the product and I started test shipping the product and I started, I had had people around Australia who were receiving the product. And to be honest, the thing that sunk that ship was the shipping. I couldn't get around the shipping. I had, I had all the logistics work out and I couldn't, 
could not get, I couldn't get the shipping to work from a cost POV. First of all, like I just, it was just so expensive to get things and it was a heavy product as well. And then I couldn't get a reliable shipping solution. So I was finding that, you know, mm. whoever I was using, whether it was Australia Post or one of the courier services would be like, oh yeah, be there in three days. And, you know, six days later, you're still waiting and they're going, oh yeah, we don't really know where that mm. is. <laughs> oh. mm. And in the end, I exactly. decided I didn't want to be in the business of shipping. So I, I killed that business idea. Just killed it. Like, yeah. Gone. Done. It, it is a huge, when I was starting Stensiville, it was a huge factor of, just making sure that the product would fit in the size envelope that would that's what Australia Post would charge is what I was charging on my website. Just all of that research that goes into that and still to this day, you know, parcels go missing and things don't show up and it's like, ugh. <laughs> <laughs> that's the totally not fun part. So tell me, what is next yeah. on the horizon for Stensibel? I saw that you will be teaching some classes in the United States next year, which is super exciting. So tell me what's next yeah. for this business. What is, what's coming, what's coming down the pipeline? So there, I will be teaching in California in February. So that's really exciting. I was super excited to get asked to do that. One of my bucket list items, I guess. So that's going to be heaps of fun and I'm trying to work out. I need, yeah to see if I can do some classes on the East Coast as well. So we'll see if that happens. And then more of the same, really. Christmas designs are coming out and getting busy and, yeah. So it's probably the busiest time of year for us cookies coming up. Lots of lots of people do Christmas cookies, so that's going to be going to be a busy time yeah because you really thought much beyond christmas yet because it's such a busy time and i imagine that for cookie years even if you're not in business a lot of them will be doing holiday cookies for family and friends and you know even the non-business people people who are just having a good time doing it would be into it more this time of year than any other time of year i suppose right very much so christmas cookies are a very big thing whether you do them for orders or just do them for family. Even if you cookie once a year, it's usually for Christmas cookies. So. Yeah, or Thanksgiving yeah, or Halloween, whatever, all the, all the things that happen at yeah. this time of year, right? Yes, exactly. It's a, it's a big few months for the cookie years. All right. Well, cookie years, time to get on to Stenty Bell and do lots of ordering in advance so that they <laughs> leave time for things to arrive well before Christmas, right? Yeah. Yeah, we so, have, we're, we're getting there. Our, our delivery time is, is roughly 10 days now to the state. So, oh, that's pretty good. good. That's pretty good, actually. Yeah, yeah, it is. It is. That's, that's actually awesome. Like 10 days is pretty, pretty reasonable, at least, you know? It is. Yeah, it is. When you think it's got to go halfway around the world. For, the, for people listening to this who are in the States or in Europe, so Amazon is coming to Australia. Finally, the Amazon is building uh, here in here yeah. in uh, Melbourne. They're actually building a distribution center, and it's really interesting to see how traditional retail is all panicking. Because what will Australians do with themselves once we get things like Amazon Prime? It's like the whole country is just going to go mad. I think. I think we're all going to go a bit crazy at first. I know I am. I love this idea of being able to order oh. something and it appears that afternoon. It's going to be great for sure. And Australians as a whole, love online shopping. And that's been one of our, our big problems is if you do hop on Amazon, usually they'll say, sure, you can have that. And then it's an $82 shipping <laughs> fee. And you're like, um, yeah, no, thanks. I can live without that. But now we'll be like, woohoo. Can you imagine? I honestly, I'd Bella, like I think we're, them- we're all going to go crazy. We're all going to lose our collective minds. 
yeah, I think so. It's going to be. It's. I have. I have investigated as to whether Spencer Bell will go on Amazon. Actually, so we'll see if that that's in the pipeline for the future. But the issue is not getting it to our own country. The issue is getting it to other people's countries, no. right? Exactly. Yeah. All yep. right. So, Belle, I know that you have have a family to look after and a business to look after. So, as my last thing, I want you to finish this sentence. If I did not own Stency Bell, I'd be oh, hmm. probably just a happy mum with more time with her girls. <laughs> I think. Okay. <laughs> More time. Someone someone who could get to sleep in a little bit more. <laughs> <laughs> Let me tell you, this happens. Here's my here's my little bit of advice. The sleeping in happens when they become teenagers because they sleep till noon. And so you start yeah. to Yeah, and I'll tell you what happens because my kids are teenagers now. They sleep till noon and you start worrying about them like you know when they were babies, right? You did that thing where you're like, Are they still breathing? Yeah. Right? That whole are they still breathing yeah. thing. I do that now, particularly my son who can sleep till noon. Yeah. I'm like, Is he still alive up there? Like what is the deal? <laughs> So I promise you that the sleep-ins are coming. The sleep-ins are coming when they get to teenagehood. Because I have a a 5.30 alarm at the moment in the form of my four-year-old. Oh, my God. I do not miss those days. I'm looking forward to that then. (laughs) The sleep-in is coming, I promise. All right. Thank thank you so much. Yeah, right. Thank you so much, Belle, for taking the time to chat to me on the podcast today. For anybody who's keen to see more of Belle's work, you can see it in places other than Instagram. And I'm going to pop all the relevant links up on the blog. When you see this podcast, it'll be in the show notes. There'll be links to all her teaching classes and all the things coming up. And so that's pretty exciting. So we will be spruiking all that stuff so you guys can see it and you can click and you can buy and you can get as obsessed as I've become with those amazing videos and just the amazing product. I actually look at it and I think, this is a really cool idea. And then I often wonder, like, who is making cookies that look like a picnic blanket? But apparently enough people that there's a stencil <laughs> behind it. Yeah. So I'm always I'm always impressed with the work that you do, Belle. And it was a pleasure to have you on talking about something that's a little bit different to what we normally talk about here. So that's exciting. And for those of you who are keen to meet her in person, those classes are happening in California next February. But we'll see if we can get her to go to other places too. And thank you so much for listening to the blog today. Thanks so much, Belle, for being my guest. And we'll catch you guys. Thank you. Thanks for listening to the Business of Baking podcast. You can find show notes, links, and other fun stuff for this and previous episodes at thebizofbaking.com. Until next time, may your oven stay evenly hot, your ganache never split, and may you always be in the business of being awesome.